Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website, please. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can visit the website lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for today, including Pastor Rick Stevens, a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. He'll be joining us. Michael Cannon, the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. If you're listening live, we started just a little bit low uh, early because I've got just a lot of stuff to cover here today in today's show. It is November the 19th, and on this day in 1863, President Lincoln delivered his famous message at the dedication of the Gettysburg Civil War Cemetery. The featured speaker of the occasion was Edward Everett, a former dean of Harvard University and one of the most famous orders of his day. He spoke for two hours. Then Lincoln delivered his message. It took two minutes. Uh, beauty and brevity, huh? Lincoln tied the uh, current struggle of the days to the uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence, speaking of the principles that the nation was conceived in, liberty and the proposition that all men are created equal. Moreover, he tied both to the abolition of slavery, a new freedom of uh, birth of freedom, and the maintenance of representative government. Despite or because of uh, its brevity, since the speech was delivered, has become one of the most recognized and one of the most powerful statements in the English language, and in fact, one of the most important expressions of freedom and liberty in any language. Indeed, Everett, immediately after he wrote to Lincoln, that said that I wish that I could have flattered myself to say that I'd come as near as to the central idea of the occasion in two hours as you did in two minutes, he said. And here it is. It's so relevant today. In fact, what we're going through right now, I think it, it almost makes it timeless, the message that he delivered. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We met on the great battlefield of that war. We've come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that this nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this, but in a larger sense we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it will never forget what they did here. It is for the living, rather to be dedicated to us the living, for, for it to be dedicated here to the unfinished work that those who fought here have thus so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we have highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and the government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. What a famous, wonderful speech, and again, so timeless, because aren't we in the same times right now? We're looking at perhaps a small group of people who want to control power, uh, hijack an election, and uh, take, you know, really uh, turn us towards a socialist form of government. We're kind of at that crossroads right now, and uh, uh, Lincoln's words ring true. Well, we had 191 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Wednesday. That's the most since July 31st. We had 226 cases. Wednesday, there were 64 patients in the Cuyahoga County hospitals. That's the number we really want to be focused on. We don't know really whether uh, this new wave of coronavirus is going to be deadly or perhaps not as viral or, or contagious. It certainly is contagious. New York City, uh, City School Chancellor Richard Carranza has announced that city schools, public schools, will be closed. The shutdown will automatically triggered by the city hitting a 3% rate of positive coronavirus. 
So uh, New York City schools are closed. Pennsylvania officials are now tightening mask requirements. Key states require masks in instances where individuals who are not members of the same household present in the same place indoors, including private addresses. I'm just so thankful that Governor DeSantis doesn't cave into all this nonsense. Uh, it seems to me we should be able to make our own decisions about taking care of ourselves and taking care of others. In fact, I found this uh, this clip. This is a meeting privately recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada last week. Let's see if I can find this thing and uh, I'll give it a listen. Oh, okay. Well, we would love to hear from you. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. Um, I do appreciate the opportunity to address you on this very important matter. Um, I'm, what I'm going to say is lay language and blunt. Um, it's counter-narrative, and so, so you don't immediately think I'm a quack. I'm going to briefly outline my credentials so that you can understand where I'm coming from in terms of knowledge base and all of this. I'm a medical specialist in pathology, which includes virology. I trained at Cambridge University in the UK. I'm the ex-president of the pathology section of the Medical Association. I was pre previously an assistant professor in the faculty of medicine doing a lot of teaching. I was the chairman of the Royal College of Physicians of Canada Examination Committee in Pathology in Ottawa. But more to the point, I'm currently the chairman of a biotechnology company in North Carolina selling a COVID-19 test. And I might, you might say I know a little bit about all of this. The bottom line is simply this. There is utterly unfounded public hysteria driven by the media and politicians. It's outrageous. This is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. There is absolutely nothing that can be done to contain this virus other than protecting older, more vulnerable people. It should be thought of nothing more than a bad flu season. This is not Ebola. It's not SARS. It's politics playing medicine, and that's a very dangerous game. There is no action of any kind needed other than what happened last year when we got felt unwell. We stayed home, we took chicken noodle soup, we didn't visit Granny, and we decided when we would return to work. We didn't have anyone need anyone to tell us. Masks are utterly useless. There is no evidence base for their effectiveness whatsoever. Paper masks and fabric masks are simply virtue signaling. They're not even worn effectively most of the time. It's, it's utterly ridiculous seeing these unfortunate, uneducated people, I'm not saying that in a perjurative sense, seeing these people walking around like lemmings, obeying without any knowledge base to put the mask on their face. Social distancing is also useless because COVID is spread by aerosols, which travel 30 meters or so before landing. And closures have had such terrible unintended consequences. They should, you, everywhere should be open tomorrow, as was stated in the Great Barrington Declaration that I circulated prior to this meeting. And a word on testing. I do want to emphasize that I'm in the business of, te of testing for COVID. I do want to emphasize that positive test results do not, underlined in neon, mean a clinical infection. It's simply driving public hysteria, and all testing should stop unless you're presenting to hospital with some respiratory problem. All that should be done is to protect the vulnerable and to give them all in the nursing homes that are under your control. Give them all three to 5,000 international units of vitamin D every day, which, is, which has been shown to radically reduce the likelihood of infection. And I would remind you all that using the province's own statistics, the risk of death under 65 in this province is one in 300,000. One in 300,000. You've got to get a grip on this. The scale of the response that you're undertaking, with no evidence for it, is utterly ridiculous, given the consequences of acting in a way that you're proposing. All kinds of suicides, business closures, funerals, weddings, etc., etc. It's simply outrageous. It's just another bad flu. 
And you've got to get your minds around that. Let people make their own decisions. You should be totally out of the business of medicine. You're being led by, down the garden path by the chief medical officer of health of this province. I'm absolutely outraged that this has reached this level. It should all stop tomorrow. Thank you very much. Well, that's a pretty powerful statement. I wanted to play that. It's a little bit long, but I think that it was a complete statement about uh, his view uh, about uh, what's happening in Canada. I think the same thing applies here. Now as we're beginning to see the number of cases expand, hysteria is setting in. Uh, now uh, politicians, elected officials are beginning to expand mandates for masses and other types of behavior, which is totally ludicrous. And when you know, watch the governor of uh, California uh, impose these draconian mandates, and then he himself just violates them, goes off to a party at a nice restaurant, See the same thing with uh, Diane Feinstein, who's in the Senate, an 87-year-old woman. She's walking around without a mask. Uh, I'm not sure these people really take seriously what they're requiring from us. The point being is it's a way to control our behavior, and we need to look out for our First, first Amendment rights. And, uh, uh, really, there is encroachment. This, I consider these mass mandates to be an encroachment on our, on our individual liberties. Now you say, Bob, maybe you're overreacting. That's going a little, being a little bit severe. No, I don't think I am. It's just the first, once this begins, you see the slow erosion of our, of our freedoms. And uh, I think that's all part of, part of the program, quite frankly, with the socialism of America. Just my thoughts. I wanted to share them with you. I don't feel like I'm a kind of a radical guy, uh, but I agree with Alfie Oaks at the Seed to Table Market. He says, look, I'm gonna, uh, I'll be in handcuffs before I'll wear a mask, something to that effect. And I think he's absolutely right. This this is a perpetrated hoax, in my view, and we're taking it far too seriously. We should take it seriously. I have a good friend that got sick. Uh, he uh, uh, got a temperature of 103. He got uh, some medical help, got that Z-Pack, and uh, he was off and running. After about three days, he was fine. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't take it seriously, but we should take the flu seriously. We should take our own personal health seriously, and we should take the health of those around us seriously as too. But as you heard him say, masks don't do anything. All it does is virtue signal, quite frankly, and uh, I'm a little concerned about continuing this farce. Well, I want to mention that uh, Ben Allen uh, is from Naples, and he was knocked out uh, by in the uh, competition on The Voice. His coach, Blake Shelton, chose the trio worth the wait over the Estero musician Tuesday night on NBC's The Voice, but all assuring uh, Allen's return on the popular show, his, the coach, Gwen Stefani, pushed the button and saved Allen who now joins the musical superstars team. This young man is very, very, Ben Allen is extremely talented. He's a natural-born country singer. And if you haven't watched The Voice, uh, I'm not big on uh, watching uh, these TV shows, but I think The Voice is very entertaining and sometimes inspiring. The stories behind these people and what they're trying to accomplish is, is pretty moving. And they are extremely talented, the ones that are chosen to be on uh, on the voice. So congratulations to Ben Allen right here from the uh, Paradise Coast. Well, nearly four out of every 10 American voters think the country's elections are tainted by fraud. Also, Rasman reports said the presidential tracking report for Wednesday shows that 51% of likely voters approves of President Trump's uh, performance. So those that are asking to him to set it, step aside, the evidence is extraordinary about fraud. In uh, an extraordinary turnabout that foreshadows possible legal action, the two GOP members of Wayne County's election board signed affidavits Wednesday alleging they were bullied and misled into approving election results in Michigan's largest metropolitan area, and that would be Detroit. The statement by Wayne County Board of Canvassers, Chairman Monica Palmer and fellow GOP member William Hartman rescinding their votes from a day earlier throw into question anew whether Michigan's presidential vote currently favoring Democrat Joe Biden, will be certified. Uh, they also signaled a possible legal confrontation ahead. So interesting. And then uh, also Wednesday night, Republicans on Wisconsin Board of Elections were able to block efforts uh, by Democrats to enact last-minute changes to the state's recount procedure. Boy, those guys are just up to shenanigans all the time. So uh, also, uh, the monitors reportedly discovered a 9,626-vote error in Georgia's DeKalb County's hand, hand recount, 
according to jo- uh, Georgia Republican Chairman David Schaefer. So lots of good news on the election front. Quite frankly, I'm not sure that if all these votes that are found in various uh, uh, states will really add up to changing over the result. But I think all of this can end up in the Supreme Court where the pre- perhaps the Supremes can take a look at this. And that along with the, uh, the software and the issues. Rudy Giuliani made a stunning claim on uh, Lou Dobbs' show Wednesday. He said that votes from 28 states were sent outside the country to Germany and Spain to be counted by Smartmatic. Smartmatic, according to Giuliani, was created in Venezuela for the purposes of uh, rigging elections. The evidence is adding up, and it's uh, pretty, pretty persuading. And uh, so I think we're going to see, we're going to see the Supremes take a look at this. That's where it actually belongs. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Here, hearing the uh, uh, St. Matthew's House commercial reminded me that Lulu's Kitchen just opened at St. Matthew's House, a full kitchen uh, business, and that's part of their uh, operation to raise money to support the homeless and the needy and do a great job. Well, Lulu's uh, Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, the Holacek family, uh, largely supported that. So I want to do a shout-out to Lulabee's Diner and the Green Tree Shopping Center. They now have uh, uh, Uber Eats, so you can get takeout there as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He is the Research Fellow and uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Pastor Rick. And tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. The Florida Citizens Alliance is simple. It's just people like us, like you, like me, like uh, all the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that care about their children. We are people that want a better education for our kids, and we work to to accomplish that. We focus on 
finding solutions to problems. We don't want to rail against problems and just complain about things. Yes, there are always going to be problems to fix. That's what we're about, the fix. We want to bring a solution to the table for the things that parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles notice. And that's one of the reasons we were heavily involved in the Common Core improvements in Florida. Yeah. So we want to be solutions people. Well, I must say I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance and very proud. I think in just about eight years, what you've accomplished is just extraordinary. The traction and the impact that you've had on public education in Florida. So uh, it's a little bit scary to think about a, a Biden-Harris administration, what might happen to public education. So your agenda is even more important right now. Have you, have you pulled things together for what you want to accomplish in the next legislative session? Yes, we've been talking about what we want to advocate for this next time around. And, and just this week, we've finalized our ideas on all of those kinds of things. And you mentioned a potential incoming Biden administration. And yes, that's, that's exactly one of the reasons that we think, <clears throat> pardon me, we think people need to pay attention mm -hmm. because we don't know what they might do. We have some ideas from previous Democrat administrations, and they tend to meddle with the things we don't want them to meddle with. Right. And so we want to encourage people to focus on Florida. We think Florida doesn't need the federal government's advice. In fact, I don't know if a lot of people realize that most of us went to school and graduated from school before the Department of Education in Washington was ever created. Right. So I think we got along fine without it then. I think we get along with fine without their meddling now. But uh, at, at any rate, part of what we try to do is try to give parents options so that they can be in charge of their child's education. We, we think it's astounding that a kid has to go to school based upon their zip code, based upon things that are completely and largely out of their control. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that we are really pleased about and that we're going to work to, to improve and to, and to make happen in Florida um, education is something called education savings accounts. Most people aren't aware of the technicalities of this, and, and I'm not conversant in all of them, but there has been on, on the books and the constitutions of many states something that goes by the reference of the Blaine Amendment. Mm -hmm. Well, earlier this year, the Supreme Court ruled in a way that essentially eliminates the Blaine Amendment, and the Blaine Amendment was a huge impediment to school choice. Mm -hmm. So as a result of the opportunity, we want to encourage our legislators to establish these education savings accounts that would then allow parents to guide the money that's available to them for their student in whatever way they want to, so they aren't constrained to go to a certain school for reasons they can't control. So that's one of the big things. So that would, that would, uh, that, Pastor Rick, that would mean, uh, for example, uh, a Catholic school, a religious school, a, a, a yes. charter school, uh, whatever choices. It's really this would really enhance school choice. Uh, and, and you know, right now, education is determined by the by the number by your zip code more than anything else. At least public education. So uh, this would be a great stride for for the kids that are trapped in these inferior schools. Well, and, and I don't even think people grasp how much opportunity it would give them. We're so used to being told what to do and how to do it right. that I don't think people get the sense that, wow, you know, if I could decide that, well, yes, you decide your child's dentist. Why not decide your child's teacher? Right. So we think that's really important. Absolutely. And, and related to that, we have some good scholarships in Florida, and we think those need to be expanded all the time because the more we can expand the availability of those support. Uh, students and parents have choices. So the, the opportunity for choice is just, is just enormous right now. And, and there are some absolutely riveting developments in the pipeline that uh, we've heard about. That, and, and of course, you know, we're an alliance, so we support all kinds of initiatives. It doesn't have to be our idea right. for us to get behind it. And there are some riveting things happening. So wow. I'm really kind of excited to see what might develop over the next few months. That's so exciting because, you know, what my view, if, if in fact we have, end up with a Biden administration, I firmly believe, strongly believe that there's enough evidence to show that the president of the United States won this election by, by a landslide. And once that is all over, I think he will be properly installed as, as the next president of the United States for a second term. But it, just in the event that he did, what I think a Biden administration might mean is, for example, expansion and of the importance of uh, uh, of unions, teacher unions, uh, reduction in the importance of uh, an attack on charter schools, uh, expansion of the sixteen nineteen project, uh, white fragility projects, and so forth, and all this uh, 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 
identity politics to be expanded. Uh, you know, I think it would be so detrimental to what we've accomplished here in Florida. Oh, and that's exactly right. And I don't even think that most families, most parents realize just how destructive some of those things could be. Um, they're busy. They're not paying attention to the details. And they don't begin to realize that their children are being taught things that they would find absolutely abhorrent yeah. and, and that they would so strongly disagree with that they wouldn't hardly know what to do. And so the ability to give parents choices in these things so that their child gets the education they have in mind for them is just absolutely critical. Absolutely. Well, uh, Pastor Rick, I just really appreciate the work that you're doing with a report, uh, support of thousands of people across the state of Florida and a great, with great impact in uh, Tallahassee with legislators as well as the Commissioner of Education in, uh, in uh, Florida as well. And I, w- I would also add the governor, too. So uh, you have a couple of websites that are pretty important. One is a hub for parents to, to point out their choices, and that's libertyscholar.org. That's right. That's a new website that we've just recently launched. It really has a wealth of information for parents. Parents often get frustrated that they can't figure out how to do the things they want to do. And so this website will give them all kinds of coaching. And of course, the other website is the one that we've had for a long time, goflca.com. And so we encourage people to go to both of those. Uh, For parents, especially Liberty Scholar is absolutely terrific. Absolutely. Well, I must say, Pastor Rick, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. It's very encouraging. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Pastor Rick. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He is a research fellow. He's actually the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It is brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and now building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. 
Great to be back, Bob. How are you? I'm great, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. So uh, right now we're seeing uh, the spread, uh, maybe a new wave of coronavirus, and of course all kinds of the pandemic of fear, quite frankly, I think is more contagious than the pandemic of the virus itself. But all of a sudden, elected officials are beginning to do assert their power and authority and having everybody mask up, limiting behaviors, closing schools. What are your thoughts? So we were talking about this a little bit before we came on, and uh, there's a lot of resistance to the idea of government mandating masks, government closing bars, government barring and gatherings of more than a certain number of people. Right. And as a good libertarian, I am highly suspicious of these things. Uh, the, um, the thing is, though, the libertarian position on uh, these sorts of government activities is not uh, an absolute no. It is more of a, uh, we subject these uh, proposals to a cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, when you transmit a virus to someone else, that is a literal physical assault on their person. Now, it could be a microscopic one, and it may be a trivial one. If it's a typical coronavirus, that kind of causes a common cold, this is not something you're going to call in the National Guard for or upend the economy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. However, when it is a, uh, a virus that has uh, a, a serious fatality rate, you know, if it were smallpox with a 30% fatality rate, then that is something that people would respond to uh, with, you know, with, they would take uh, matters into their own hands and exact violence upon others if they thought that others were wantonly spreading that virus. Right. Uh, the question becomes, is this virus deadly enough and, and will uh, the, the uh, government uh, mandate or restrictions in question stop people from uh, doing violence to each other and you know, will these measures have benefits in terms of saving lives and avoiding morbidity that outweigh the cost? Yeah. And there is a good case that some of these things will, but we have to compare them to what about uh, you know what additional good would they do on top of government just telling us, you know, giving us information and encouraging us to be safe and contain the disease in, in voluntary and consensual ways before we take a step into uh, government coercing people into taking these steps. Yeah, and I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's important you brought up the fact that, uh, you know, we're not only responsible for ourselves, but we're responsible for, for whatever violence we might end up uh, uh, in, uh, sending to somebody else, whether it's uh, by personal violence and physical attack or, uh, you know, what we're I remember somebody was arrested for spreading AIDS at one time. So, I mean, uh, the, certainly you're bringing up an important point. I guess the, the, the question and the premise is all about the, the measures that are being taken. Is there really, do masks really do anything, first of all? And I, I had played a clip from a guy from Alberta, Canada, very, very uh, high-ranking guy and uh, accomplished guy. Uh, and he said, no, masks don't do anything. And second of all, this virus is no worse than the flu. So this kind of information, I think, is important because, uh, you know, these uh, elected officials, they're not experts. They rely on what they're hearing from Fauci and others and make these decisions. I quite frankly think I would prefer to make these decisions myself. I respect my neighbors. I, I want to take care of my own health. Why not let each of us make our own decisions about this? Well, uh, and... That's the way to go in most circumstances. The question is, is, is this one of the circumstances in which uh, it makes sense uh, for the government to take additional, uh, to require us to take additional steps? Um, and uh, and I'm not really sure. I, I'm more open-minded about these yeah. these steps than than I am uh, that I would be if it were a less deadly. Uh, disease like the seasonal flu, yeah. uh, but uh, it, it, even though you and I might uh, take, uh, feel a sense of responsibility toward uh, our neighbors and our loved ones, you know, my family is planning on having Thanksgiving with my parents and my mother-in-law, yeah. but in the driveway rather than inside of the house, because that is going to reduce the risk of transmission. Uh, as, as careful as we might be, we all know that person, it could be an uncle. It could be 
uh, a friend who thinks that this is all a hoax uh, and doesn't take those sorts of precautions. And that's really all you need, that one person in, in an indoor event to lead to what we call a super spreader event, yeah, where but... lots of people get this disease and we, and it, we transmit it to lots of uh, people who are then very vulnerable to it, even you know, though it I, might I, have, I agree with, to be a low fatality rate. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. But, you know, if Uncle Charlie is, is, is uh, abandoning all caution, you don't invite Uncle Charlie to the to the event. I mean, you know, there are ways that people handle these things, these decisions, uh, in in a way that can be responsible. So, I, I, I agree with what you just said. However, I just you know we're not helpless to deal with people like Uncle Charlie. This is true. Yeah. So okay. Hey, be listen before I, I let you go. Uh, vaccines right now. Now AstraZeneca apparently is just days away from completing their studies and coming out. Uh, we know that Pfizer. And uh, Moderna are having so you know what's going to happen now? I mean, uh, is is there a competition here between companies? Uh, is how's this all going to play out? So uh, happily, mercifully, we do have more than one option when it comes to vaccines. That means we're going to be able to uh, distribute vaccines uh, uh, more rapidly uh, with more confidence that they will build immunity. We're going to be able to study the differences between what this vaccine did and what that vaccine did. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's still going to be several months uh, until most Americans can get these vaccines. Uh, the uh, estimates I've heard are that uh, it'll be April until most Americans can get them. They have to focus first on the most vulnerable people, yeah. uh, healthcare workers, uh, the elderly. Uh, as a father of three elementary school aged children, I hope they pick teachers next. Yeah, uh, because, uh, you know, for all the obvious reasons and uh, and it, it'll be even more helpful once more of these vaccines uh, come online and, and multiple vaccines also help in the area of pricing. Yeah, because this this is another topic we could tackle on another show uh, whenever uh, in the government has done so many things in healthcare to allow manufacturers to jack up the prices of drugs, even, or, or medical products, even when there isn't a public health emergency, that in this public health emergency, the, uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies would have a pretty easy time uh, overcharging yeah. for, uh, for, for these vaccines. But the fact that there are multiple vaccines does help uh, keep those prices from... Uh, so two questions, Michael. Two questions. Uh, who, uh, uh, first of all, my understanding is the president has said that these vaccines will be free. So the question is, who's going to end up paying? And I guess it's going to be the federal government. The second question is, who decides who gets it first? In other words, who is they that you refer to? Well, there's no such thing as a free vaccine. Yeah. And the they is probably going to be federal and state government. When the federal government purchases these vaccines, it will have what is are essentially um, uh, rationing criteria. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the pharmaceutical companies will, uh, you know, may uh, have a hand in this as well. I'm not sure if the federal government has purchased all uh, of the capacity that uh, that uh, these pharmaceutical companies have, and for how long they've purchased all of the capacity. But uh, that's basically how that's. All right, Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on all these important issues, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. All right. So we'll look forward to next week and talk about those issues. Cato.org, by the way, is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you 
or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders, joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobhardnethotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We'll find out what the skinny and his thoughts on what's happening here locally. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton's a frequent guest on the show. He's the founder and president of a terrific organization. It's called Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government and it's been a bad century. Well, I tell you what, we've got some serious problems knocking on the door right now. We hope justice prevails in these election results. Otherwise, my yes. goodness, it would expand your operation dramatically. So, uh, no, Well, no, it would expand a need it would for my exp- operation, not necessarily the organization itself. That's right. Well, you write such great columns, and you've got written written a couple lately. I, I picked a lower-wage Americans love fair trade and rigid immigration enforcement. Uh, you know, make uh, that's an interesting uh, connection there. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, people, you know, people are now trying to piece on our side, allegedly on our side, are piecemeal trying to undo what tr- Trump did. Not all of it. They love the tax cuts. You know, they love the regulation cuts. Yeah. But they're missing a fundamental component of what made the the low the wage increases, especially at the lower end possible. What we've been doing for 50 years has increased CEO salaries because the trade policy deals we've cut have made it easier and easier and easier for U.S. companies to leave the U.S. and go set up production overseas. Mm. And by that, I mean, we do, you know, those countries, mass li- they, they severely limit what we, can imp- what we can export to them. They impose huge tariffs on what we export to them, and they subsidize what they're making there that they then send here, mm-hmm. which all of which undercuts domestic production. Mm-hmm. The Obviously, the, the limits on exports and the tariffs on exports limit production because you, if you can only send five widgets, you can only make five widgets. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, if, you're, if they're subsidizing and then sending here – our guys are competing with no subsidies against their products with subsidies. Yep. And that's undercutting U.S. manufacturing domestic production. Um, and, of course, we for 50 years have placed virtually no limit on what people send to us and no policy restrictions on, you know, hey, if you subsidize X, we're not going to let you sell it to us. Mm-hmm. So that's been undercutting jobs for years. Of course, the other the other portion of that equation is you want you want to loosen the, the the job market, meaning have more jobs available, and you want to tighten 
the labor market, meaning you yeah. want less people competing for jobs. Right. Well, we've spent the last half century mass importing the third world. Right. And the reason the third world is the third world is because they aren't very well educated and they aren't very skilled. Right. So we've, we've imported roughly 50 million people, low-skilled people to compete with U.S. citizen low-skilled people. Well, what does that do to wages? Of course, it drives them down, right. drives them down. So, so you can't stop the immigration portion or, and or stop the Trump trade with the tariffs and everything without cutting into the new voters you just got. Right. Everyone's all excited about all the new Hispanic and black votes that Trump got. Well, how do you freaking think he got them? You got to because blacks and Hispanics would rather have a job at a higher wage and a job period rather than a welfare check. That's right. That's but right. what they saw for 50 years was a Republican Party cutting them off at the knees by doing policies that were good for big corporations to over outsource their jobs out of the country. Yeah. I mean, and Trump comes in and goes, I'm going to do stuff for you guys. Mm-hmm. And gee, more of those guys voted for him. Yeah. You can't undo his tariffs. You can't undo his trade policies. And you can't undo his immigration policies if you want to keep the, the, the new voters we've got and continue to expand in that area. Yeah, well, I think the, uh, the uh, agenda for the uh, left will be, look, we got to get you guys off of work and back to welfare. we got to make you dependent. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, they don't even have to say that. They don't even have to say that. Right. Their policies will do that. That's right. That's Biden's a, a, a wide-open borders guy. He wants to give the, every, the entire planet U.S. health care for free. Right. So what, what, what's that going to do? You know, Trump's sentiment alone slowed down the illegal immigration into this country, right. let alone any of the actual actions he took, building the wall, you know, um, nego- you know. How do we know the world thought Trump was serious? Because the other countries started behaving like Trump was serious. Mexico started mass enforcing their borders, which they hadn't done in years, in decades. Right. Because Trump made them do it. Yeah. And that's going to go away. I mean, you you know Biden's not going to put any pressure on Mexico to do that. Um, So, you know, plus Biden's trade deals. Biden was the—he's voted for all the stupid trade deals that have screwed us for half a century. He's going to go back to— the status quo, where his massive donors get to continue to cut deals that's, that allow them to send their jobs, uh, send our jobs away. Yeah. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. So, you know, uh, uh, you're just reminding me of all the wonderful things that have been accomplished during this administration, including reduction of the corporate tax, which, of course, obviously makes companies more uh, competitive. Being here in the United States will invite other companies to come back here and establish uh, their basis. So uh, uh, there's so many things that have happened. Like I said, it's 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 a Mr. Pota- it's not a Mr. Potato Head. You can't take off the lips or the eyes of the Trump panoply of policies, right? And expect to keep the Trump results. Yeah, you're right. Low taxes and low regulations are part of what makes it attractive to come back. Yeah. Also, you know, not having this one way street on trade, which makes it more attractive to be anywhere else on the planet except here. Right. Fixing that or addressing that is makes it more attractive to come here, um, and of course the immigration policy. You know, Trump was clamping down there, but he's being sued right now by big tech because he stopped, he, he or he's limiting the H one B visas, which are the high skilled visas. Right. You know, we always tell these these local these blue collar guys, well, we've shipped out your jobs. However. You should learn to code. Yeah. Well, now they they learn to code, and they're bringing in foreign workers on visas. Yeah. Rather, rather than hiring American. Amazing they're stuff. Cheaper. Amazing stuff. And uh, again, just reminding if if in fact Biden gets in, and again, my personal belief is that justice will prevail, and Trump won by a landslide. But well, if, you are a much more optimistic person than I. I know um, I am. I know. <laughs> I see the world through rose colored glasses. I know that. Uh, but, yes. but the evidence is there, uh, uh, Seton. And, well, uh, if, uh, real quick, if if everything, uh, Lynn Wood and 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 what's her what's the woman's name? Um, uh, uh, Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell are saying about Dominion. You need something institutionally wrong with the election 
Dominion is institutional wrongness. If what they're saying about it is, uh, Linwood, I think Linwood or Sidney Powell was on Mark Levin's show yep. and said, if the val- if the if the ballot voting was was not rigged, Trump would have got seventy percent and won right. with four hundred electoral votes. Right, right. So this is, I mean, uh, and that is. All, all the evidence shows that Dominion and uh, this other software company are, were complicit in, and uh, they, they did use a software that was uh, used in Venezuela. Oh, right, the, the Chavez is in Venezuela. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. See, I always appreciate your commentary in the show. I just encourage our listeners to go to lessgovernment.org or visit Less Government on Facebook. See, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Terrific organization. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Bill. So, um, what, any good scoop? Well, there's always good scoop. It depends on what kind of scoop we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't uh, know, but I don't know, but, uh, you know, I had uh, on uh, Tuesday, I had my second eye for cataract surgery. So I'm, I'm through the cataract surgery thing. Have you done that process? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did it a while ago, and you were talking about that last week. So you're happy? I'm happy. You know what? Uh, it seems like by the minute, I'm just seeing better and better, more clearly, not using glasses anymore. It's just astounding what uh, this medical technology and what they can accomplish. Well, you get out on the golf course, Bob. I mean, <laughs> you'll be sinking putts like you were at the Masters. Is that what is going to happen? I just... <laughs> oh, man, you get such a clear, clear picture of that golf ball and then when you go to you're on the tee i mean it's not blurry it's uh you're not your glasses aren't fogging up i mean it, it's incredible yeah i'm looking forward i really am looking forward now the other problem your is that do- drop bob your handicap's gonna drop my goodness well that'll be no- that's good news <laughs> i have a i have a little problem with a uh, pinched nerve in my hip so it may be i'm still on the ir oh. when it comes to golf the irony is i i got the uh the surgery done so I could see the golf ball better, but now I can't play. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, that's kind of a catch-22, isn't it? It really is, Bill. So how are you doing? Well, we're doing fine. I've um, uh, been following the uh, city uh, antics, um, and uh, they're making some progress with some of the things they're doing, I'm proud to say. Um, but their meetings, Bob, are just, uh, I mean, they can't, they just cannot finish a meeting in in less than 10 hours that is dysfunctional is, you know i always took pride when i was leading meetings that nothing would go i would try and complete the meeting in an hour now i know too. that i know that's impossible in a city council situation because they have so many agenda items and they take right. time but the the point is you just want to just limit the your person purpose 
is to address issues and make decisions. If you're not making decisions, just talking doesn't do any good. Well, you know, I think uh, uh, quite a few of them like to hear themselves talk. Yeah. And they, they, uh, one, of the only, one of the things that I really, really, really learned uh, when I was mayor was to keep um, the fellow council members on the subject. Yeah. In other words, every time they start to wander, yeah. uh, you're talking about a white chair and they end up starting going to a green one, okay? Yeah. You've got to bring them back to, to the subject. And it made a big difference in finishing items. Yeah. But they're, they're not there yet, and I don't know if they'll ever get there. So, well, here's they, one thing I hope they never get to is apparently uh, masking us up in Naples is on the agenda. It's coming. You think? Yep. Oh, my goodness. I, I absolutely do because Mayor Heitman has teamed up with, uh, with Paul Hulse in the uh, Naples Community Hospital. And uh, there's a coalition, uh, uh, Heroes, Heroes Wear Masks. And um, so that's coming up, I think, on the this first meeting in December. But, oh, yeah, you, you can. I'll tell you what. Uh, you can find a bookmaker. You can bet on that one. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I like I like uh, I like uh, going to restaurants in Naples because there's no mask requirement, uh, which is really nice. But it, it, the, the irony is, I think it actually slows down commerce when you have these mask mandates in, in place. People like me, who I, I believe I've done my research, I just don't think masks help at all. Uh, and we had a guest on earlier that suggested that social distancing doesn't either. either. But I, I, I'll do what I can to respect uh, the needs of other people. But it's just, I think it's an infringement. Well, well, you mentioned restaurants. I don't feel any hold back. You, I wear... We, we wear my mask into the restaurant. As soon as I sit down, I take my mask off. So let me I mean, ask you a pointy question, though. I mean, uh, yeah. how does that, how does the air all of a sudden become less free of <laughs> the coronavirus when you sit down? I just don't understand. <laughs> well, it, it, it most likely doesn't, but uh, if you're eating a lot of garlic, Bob, that might help. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow. Um, yeah, anyhow, I think that's a, uh, a debatable subject uh that will will continue until we start again it looks like i just saw a nice report on the vaccines yeah and uh looks like we're really moving forward on that which is really good news great news. Uh, so are you have you conceded yet i hate to ask you that but you knew it was coming you mean about the presidential election yeah oh absolutely not in fact uh, so many good things happened last night in uh in michigan the two guys that uh said that they were going to uh, go ahead and approve the uh, the vote in Wayne County. They said, no, you know what? We were intimidated. They signed an affidavit and said, we do not, and we won't uh, we won't approve of the election in, in uh, Wayne County. Uh, there's uh, thousands of votes turned over in Georgia. There's all kinds of things that are going on very positive. But I think, the, I think ultimately this election is, is going to come down to the Supreme Court and the software, Dominion software that's been used to... Uh, with uh, has a back door so people can in, uh, influence and change the vote. Really? Yeah, I absolutely. Well, even if if all of that were were true, um, and I'm not saying it isn't. Um, the, the other thing that they were saying was there's still just not enough votes. So I don't get involved in that because it's way too complicated for for me. Yeah. But is there is there any 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 fact in that? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Sydney Powell herself said that uh, she has proof, and she says that she, uh, getting proof is coming in by the day. It's like drinking out of a water hose, but she said it in affidavits and so forth. But she said uh, Dominion Software has been used in 28 states, and uh, she will, at the end of the day, she thinks that the president will have won by 70% of the vote. Wow. Yeah, so we're not talking about a few votes here and a few votes there. All these, all this litigation stuff that's going on right now, I think, is to go to the Supreme Court and saying, "Look, we have this backup information and data that shows that uh, the president won in a substantial way." But the main thing will be, in my opinion, the Dominion software. Huh. Well, we th this is an ongoing chapter. It is indeed, Bill. Barnes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the on the show, Bill. Thank you so well, much for joining us. I look forward to it. Hey, what are we doing Thanksgiving? Well, you know what? We're going to uh, go to a restaurant. Uh, actually, I forgot. I that. didn't mean that. Am I going to be on the air with you? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I mean, uh, are you up for it? 
Heck yeah. Okay, cool. We'll we'll do it on Thanksgiving then, then. Bill, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Take care, Bob. You as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I learned a lot. Express myself and my opinion a lot, too. I hope you, if you have any comments, I would appreciate hearing from you. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. And also, I send out a newsletter if you'd like to subscribe. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. Hope you join us tomorrow. William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be with us. Our newly elected U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds will be joining us. Peter Wood uh, wrote a really interesting book. It's called 1620, A Critical Response to the 1619 Project. Really interesting read. I read the book, and uh, you know the 1619 Project is a real problem in uh, schools and uh, what they're teaching kids. So Peter Wood is going to be joining us. He's the author. And Dave Vigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a terrific day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>